Happy Father's Day also. Um, got a question for you. How many of y'all remember the story, the children's story of the tortoise and the hare? All right, the tortoise and the hare is a children's story that's been written in a lot of books. It's been made into cartoons. It's also been used as an illustration tons of times. Now, the story goes that you have this tortoise and you have this hare. And you have these two characters. One that is all about himself, the hare. The hare, it knows his abilities. He's fast. He's actually kind of arrogant. And then you have this hare, this turtle, that he knows what his abilities are. And he's good with his abilities. And he's, he's, he's okay with his abilities. And so these two decide, we're going to have a race. And so this race is set up, and even before the race, the hare is just jabbing at the, the tortoise, is making fun of him, because he's like, I'm better than you. I'm better than what you can do, and we're going to have this race, and I don't know why you're even wasting your time. Well, they line up. They get ready. The gun goes off, and what happens exactly is what you think would happen. The hare takes off and leaves the tortoise in his dust. Now the hare gets so far ahead that he's thinking, this tortoise, he's never going to catch up. I'm way better than he is. Who does he even think he is? And so he takes a nap. He takes a nap. Well, here's the tortoise. The tortoise is just slow and steady. He knows his abilities and he keeps going. He keeps going. He keeps going. He's not fast. He just knows what he's been given and he keeps going. He eventually passes the hare because the hare is asleep. And before you know it, the race is over. The tortoise has beaten the hare. Now, in this story, we find two individuals. We find an arrogant person and we find a humble person. And as we contrast those two things, we're going to see today, as we start this new series, Love, Hate. We're going to be looking at, from the book of Proverbs in chapter 6, we're going to be taking a look for the next about month and a half, next six weeks, we're going to be looking at the things that God hates and looking at the things that God loves. We're going to be contrasting the two things and we're going to be looking at them and we're going to be saying, what is it that God hates? What is it that God does not want in my life? God does not want in your life. To find those things, to make sure they're not in our life. They're not a part of who we are. We're going to find out as we contrast those two things, and we're going to look at what are the things that God hates, but what is it he loves? Just like with the tortoise and the hare, arrogant and humble. And as we look at these two things, as we go along these next six weeks or so, we're going to be looking at what are those things that we need to get out of our life? And what are the things that we need to make sure is in our lives so that we can become who God created us to be? Now, this morning, if you have the Word of God with you, I ask that you go ahead and turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. And I ask that you stand, if you're able, as we read God's Word. Proverbs 6, starting in verse 16. The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. 
arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble among brothers. You may be seated. You know, the book of Proverbs is a wisdom book. It's filled full of things that teach us how to live and how not to live. And as we look at this for the next few weeks, and as we look at it today, we're going to be seeing what are those things in our life that we need to have and not have. Now, the Bible is filled full of wisdom. The problem is that sometimes we don't listen to it. A lot of times we hear it, but we don't apply it. And my prayer for us over these next few weeks is that we will hear the word of God, that we'll allow the Holy Spirit to work in each one of us individually and corporately as a church. God desires for us to draw close to him and to be who he created us to be, who he created you to be, who he created me to be. And as I said, we're going to learn today about what the Bible says. But specifically, we're going to be looking at verse 17. Verse 17, arrogant eyes. That's all I have is arrogant eyes today. I mean, yes, I do have arrogant eyes. We all have arrogant eyes if we're to be honest with one another. But that's the verse. It was interesting. When John asked me if I would, be, if I would like to preach, I just said yes. And then he told me what this was on, that it was on arrogance. And I thought, hmm, I'm wondering why he asked me to possibly preach. It has to be because it's maybe about humbleness, but no. But anyway, and so we're going to be talking about arrogant eyes. Our two points for today are simple. Arrogance and humility. Two points today, arrogance and humility. And our action step today is to imitate the humility of Christ. As we go through this, I want you to be thinking, how do I imitate the humility of of Christ. It's one of those things that seems easy, but let's be honest, it's hard to do sometimes. It's hard to do because we want things the way we want it. Arrogance begins to come out. But before we look at humility, we're going to look at arrogance. The first point today is arrogance. Definition of arrogance is having or revealing an exaggerated sense of one's own importance or abilities. Other words for arrogance, haughty, conceited, self-important, opinionated, egotistic, full of oneself, overbearing, pompous, high-handed, swaggering, boastful, condescending, proud, vain, lofty, smug, pretentious, prideful. The Bible speaks on arrogance quite a bit. It's in God's word that we see how God feels about this type of thinking. We see in the Old Testament where Jeremiah warns Israel of their arrogance. Tells them, you must turn away from your arrogant ways, your wicked ways, or you're going to go into captivity. They didn't listen. They were arrogant. Not only that, Daniel wrote about King Belshazzar and how his arrogance led to him being removed from the throne. God warns us over and over and over in the Bible. We see the cycle of the nation of Israel following God, loving God, 
falling away from God, becoming arrogant, thinking only about themselves, thinking that they can do it themselves, turning from God, and then being far from God. Never where they thought they would be. And then crying out to God. And then drawing close to God once again. And I would warn each one of us in here, we see that throughout the Bible. We see it happening time and time and time again. This was the nation of Israel that saw miracles, that saw God work, that loved God. And I would say that most of us, if not all of us sitting in this room, we love God. If I was to say, like I do with the kids, how many of y'all love God? I mean, almost everybody's hand would go up. There would be a few that would be like, uh, they just weren't listening. But we love God. We're here to learn and to draw closer to God. The nation of Israel was the same. And they began to walk away from God because arrogance crept into their life. And as we saw in Proverbs 6, verse 17, God hates arrogant eyes, an arrogant heart of thinking that you're better than someone else, that you're better, that you don't need him, that you can do it yourself. May we not have that same heart This is nothing new. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see it now, and we're going to see it in the future. Arrogance is talked about, pridefulness is talked about over 100, 150 times in the Bible. Because God knew that we were going to have an issue with it. That we would have a problem with it. I want us to look at a parable that Jesus used in the New Testament. In the book of Luke. Luke 18. And this was a parable that Jesus used to compare two people. It was a Pharisee and a tax collector. And as we talk about arrogance here, we're going to be focusing on that Pharisee at first. And we're going to be seeing what Jesus had to say. So in Luke 18, and starting in verse 9, it says this. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Here it is. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, Or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. Now we're going to stop there for a second. The Pharisee in his prayer, did you hear it? He's standing there. And then more than likely as he came into the temple to pray, he's standing to the the side. And probably more than likely, and I'm not saying all Pharisees were this way, But for this illustration, I think Jesus was showing us that this Pharisee was all about himself. This prayer was me, me, me. I'm better than them. I mean, what if I came in here and I said, let's pray, and I started praying, uh, and I don't mean this to anybody here, but I started praying, God, thank you that I'm better than that man right there. I'm better than that group of people. God, thank you. What would you all think? I'm arrogant. I'm full of myself. 
He started pointing out and he was thanking God that he wasn't like them. Now before we're quick to judge him, how many times have we personally done that? How many times have we been all about ourselves? His prayer is the prayer of one who has no need for anything or anyone. Because of his arrogance, he thinks he is already perfect within himself. He thinks he's perfect. That's what arrogance does. We think we're perfect within ourselves that we don't need God in the small things, in the medium-sized things, in the large things in our life. Now, Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. As we see here with the Pharisee, he was all about himself. It wasn't about God. And we're going to see as we compare and contrast and remember this whole series about love, hate, what God loves, what God hates. And as we're talking about arrogance, God hates arrogance. And I'm going to be honest with you, that word, it's hard for me to even say the word hate. I grew up, and if my kids were in here, they'd say, Dad doesn't like to say the word hate, because it's a strong word. But in this situation, it's perfect. God hates this sin. So much so that he is showing us, showing you, showing us as a congregation, please do not be arrogant. Instead, and we'll see here in a bit, be humble. But pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall. If you really look at it, Satan's fall from heaven, the root was arrogance and pride. He wanted to be exalted above God. His arrogance led him to think that he was greater than God. Not only that, pride was the motivating factor in the sin of Adam and Eve. They were tempted to become like God, knowing good and evil. Now, self-sufficient arrogance was the reason many Pharisees and religious leaders refused to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They chose to believe in their own good works rather than by faith in Jesus. Do we believe in our own good works? See, it would be difficult if I was to say, how many of y'all in here think that you are God? Nobody would say that. But sometimes our actions represent that. And I say that as someone that's just as guilty. Now, 2 Timothy, 2, 2 Timothy 3, 2 says, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. That's the world. And to be quite honest, the world a lot of times seeps into the church. We are to be in the world, but not of it. And listen, we're not perfect. We're all sinners. If it was not for the grace of God, 
We are nothing. But we have to be on the outlook for that. Arrogance is destructive. Thinking we're better than others is a downfall. And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's how you speak to other people. Do you speak down to them? Do you speak down to them instead of realizing that they are someone that God loves, someone that God cares to? I don't care who it is. How do you speak to them? What's your actions towards someone else? Do you love like Christ? Or do you think that person should be serving me? That person should be talking about me. That person should be the person that's coming to me and talking, not me talking to them. I shouldn't be serving them. They should be serving me. That's arrogance. What's our thoughts? I've been talking about what comes out of our mouth and our actions with our hands and feet, but sometimes it starts with our thoughts. Let's be honest, that's exactly where it starts. Arrogance is destructive. Maybe for you it's something else. I don't know what it is. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit right now is working in each one of our hearts and showing us those areas. I can tell you this, this was one of the hardest sermons for me to prepare. It really was because of arrogance and humility. And I had to stop and I had to pray, God, just show me, show me in my life. Are you willing to do that? To say, God, show me the arrogance in my heart. Now, point number one was arrogance. Point number two is the opposite, humility. Humility. So everybody can take a breath now. I'm through. <laughs> arrogance. Ah, oh, quit doing that. Now listen. Humility is what God loves. Arrogance is what God hates. Love, hate. Now, as we turn to humility, I want to turn back to the parable that Jesus was using in Luke 18. So you can turn back to Luke 18 or you can look up on the screens. If you remember, the first part was all about talking about this Pharisee that's standing over here, almost like pointing, saying, I'm better, I'm better than these people. Now, historically, the historical context here is that Jesus was talking to mainly a Jewish audience. And they would have looked at the Pharisee as someone as a role model, someone that they would have looked to in high respects. The tax collector would have been someone that they would have booed, someone that they would have not liked, they would have hated, to be quite honest, because the tax collector is more than likely taking money from them. And so you have this whole parable that is being set up, and you find this Pharisee that's all about me, me, me. And to be quite honest, I think as you come to the tax collector, you're thinking, here's another example of how to be arrogant. But listen, Luke 18, starting in verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. 
because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The contrast between the Pharisee and the tax collector is between those who trust in themselves that they are righteous and those who trust in God to justify them, the arrogant and the humble. Here's this tax collector. I imagine if this is the front of the temple, he's just barely come into the temple to pray and he's standing here. He can barely even get in. He realizes his sin, whatever that may be. And instead of looking for someone else to lift himself up and say, like the Pharisee, I'm better than that person, I'm better than that person. He comes in before God realizing that he is no one. He is, a, he is no one, that God is everything. And it literally says he's beating his chest. God, forgive me, a sinner. humbleness and the bible goes on to tell us that he was exalted that he was lifted up and that the pharisee was going to be humbled the tax collector was justified do we come before god telling him how good we are or do we come before God like the tax collector saying, God, forgive me, a sinner. Help me to love more like you. Help me to serve more like you. God, forgive me. If arrogance is all about oneself, then humility is about realizing that God is the one who has given us everything. Everything. You know, as I talk to the children, and you can see it on their eyes, they get excited. They get excited about when they hear a new truth. They get excited about when they hear all about, you know, what God has done for them and that God does everything. This is normally when I would say to you all, y'all say everything. <laughs> and so, and to see when they realize God does and gives me everything. He's created me. Without him, I'm nothing. And to be quite honest, church, I think we sometimes forget that simple truth that without God, we are nothing. True humility is to see ourselves as we actually are, fallen in sin, and helpless without God. Helpless without God. It says in James 4, verse 6, but God gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 10 also says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. The world we live in tells us to make ourselves into what we want to be. 
that it's up to us, that we're in control. The Bible tells us something totally different. When we look at the passage of the Pharisee and the tax collector, we see a story that warns us to not be arrogant, but to be humble. And when we're humble before the Lord, he will look upon us with favor. Our series, Love, Hate. God hates arrogance, but he loves humility. And when we're humble, God looks upon us with favor. That's what I want. I would hope and pray that that's what you want and desire also. All throughout the Bible, it's telling us to have a humble heart, a humble mind, that our actions need to reflect this. In this series, we're going to see the things, once again, that God hates. The things that God will not and does not bless. We will see the person God looks at with favor and what they possess in their life. God does not want us to possess arrogance. He wants us to possess humility. So today we've seen that God hates arrogance. It's not a trait that any person should have, especially children of God. In the world, we see a lot of arrogance. It's even celebrated. Arrogance begins to slip into the church, into its people. I don't want our church, Wallace, I don't want us to be a people of arrogance. I want people to walk in here and they sense the spirit moving. They realize the humility within this place because it's all about God. It's not about me. It's not about anyone else. A lot of times the hardest thing for us to do is to move out of God's way. And a lot of times we're listening to the world. We're listening and there's voices all around us. Like I said, the world almost celebrates when someone is arrogant and when it's all about themselves. There's always tons of voices happening in the world telling us what to do, how to be, how we should be. Even sometimes some of our closest friends are giving us advice that's not godly, even though they themselves are followers of Christ. Because, listen, we're all sinful. We've all, we live in a fallen world. And I do believe this, that God's voice is always there for every single one of us. The loudest voice in the room is always God. I'm going to say that again. The loudest voice in the room is always God. We just sometimes don't listen. We listen to other things. We take those things instead of God's voice. But God tells us something different through his word. God desires humility from us. Our action point today, if you remember, was imitate the humility of Christ. Be like Christ. His humility. There is no one better to imitate than Jesus. The life of Jesus in the New Testament is a picture of who we should want to be. And today, as we've talked about arrogance and humility in this series of love, hate, there is no one better to be our role model than Christ. 
As a follower of Christ, we want to be like him, act like him, talk like him. Jesus is God in human flesh, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. But he humbled himself and came down to us. He walked among us. A story found in the Bible of his humbleness is when we find him with the disciples before the Passover festival, Passover festival found in John 13. And in John 13, Jesus begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And the story goes is that they've all gathered together. And Jesus takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, takes the water, and begins to come to the disciples. Now, a little background here. People didn't have shoes like we have on our feet right now. If they had anything, it was maybe a piece of leather, but their feet were nasty. Let's just be honest. They were nasty. You didn't want to touch someone's foot. Here's Jesus, the master, the Lord. And he, he even bows down. He gets down to wash their feet because more than likely they weren't sitting at a table. I got to take this out because I can't sit on that. They, they were sitting probably relaxed, something like this. So here comes Jesus getting down in a manner that they should have been getting down to him, taking their feet and taking water and washing the dirt off. Can you imagine? What if you were there and you see Jesus, maybe you weren't the first person, but maybe you were looking down and you're like, what is happening right now? What is Jesus doing? And I'm sure some of them were even like, hey, did Peter ask him to do that? Peter shouldn't be doing that. But Peter even himself says like, Lord, what are you doing? No, 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 no. Jesus was humble. Jesus was doing something that the disciples should have done. And to be quite honest, history tells us that more than likely, they, even the disciples would have probably gone out and gotten somebody else to come in and wash their feet. Jesus was humble. And as he washed their feet, he was showing them love, care. And he was giving them an example and giving us an example the Bible says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus models for us kingdom life. He's not just telling us how we should live. He shows us. He models it for us. When we see that, of how we should live. He didn't just come out and say, this is what you need to do. This is now how you need to be. You know, don't be arrogant, be humble. Here's Jesus on his knees, more than likely, grabbing a dirty foot and washing it, loving them, caring for them, taking care of them, 
Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He had a humble heart. At the end of that chapter of John chapter 13, Jesus gives a new command. And it says this, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is so much easier when we're humble, when we're arrogant. It's not easy. When we're arrogant, we think we deserve the love. When we're humble, we will love like Jesus loved. And it will make a difference. Here at our church, we have a saying. We've put it on shirts. It's kind of a motto. It's about who we want to be and and what we want to do. And it's actually out there on the wall in the atrium too. And if I probably began it, I think you all could finish it. It would be make. Oh, let's do it one more time. Be make. That's what we're talking about. If we're going to be disciples that make disciples, we must get rid of any form of arrogance in our lives and humble ourselves before the Lord. Philippians 2, starting in verse 3, says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not at his own interest, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that, it, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Imitate the humility of Christ. Is that something that we can do on our own? No. But we can do it through the strength of the Holy Spirit, through the power of God. It is something that we can be. When we begin to imitate the humility of Jesus, we will love like Jesus. We will serve like Jesus. We will give like Jesus. We will be like Jesus. Church family, would you allow God to search your heart for any arrogance, pridefulness that may be in there? You may be sitting here this morning and you may be thinking to yourself, I, I, don't, I don't think I have any. 
it's always been a problem. Would you be willing to ask, to allow, to ask God, to ask God, God, show me. Show me those areas of my life. And when God will show it, because he is faithful to confess it before him. What we've seen today is that God hates arrogance, but he loves humility. He does not bless arrogance in any form or fashion, but he lifts up, he exalts humility. He blesses the humble. Imitate Christ. Seek him first. Put him first in your life. Make him first in your life. This morning, as we come to a time of invitation, my prayer is that will be your heart. God, search me. It's my prayer. It's my prayer for me individually, and it's my prayer for us as a church. Guys, I love you all. I love my church family. And I desire to see this church family become all that God wants it to be, individually and together as a body. But as we've seen today, and as we'll see in the next few weeks, love, hate. What is it that God loves? Because I want that. What is it God hates? Because I don't want that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, seek God. There may be some here that need a relationship with God. There may be some, as we draw into this invitation, to go from having knowledge about God to having a personal relationship with him. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It starts with a humble heart, realizing that there's nothing you can do to save yourself. That's everything that God did through the work of Jesus on the cross. Here in just a moment, there's gonna be some people down front that would love to speak to you about that relationship with Jesus. There's no better relationship than a relationship with Christ. There's gonna be some people down here that will also pray with you. That if you have a prayer request or something is on your heart, they can pray with you. Also, if you would like to just come down and pray here at the front, you can do that. You can pray where you are, but there's gonna be people down front that are willing to pray with you, willing to lead and guide you. Whatever it may be, this is a time for us to take what God has shown us and to apply it to our lives. Whatever that may be, I pray that you will listen. Let's stand and let's pray. God, I humbly come before you. And I thank you for who you are, what you've done. Because without you, I am nothing. 
We are nothing. And God, I pray that you help each one of us to listen to the Holy Spirit moving within this place. God, individually as a church and as a church, God, I pray that you help us to love like you, to be humble like you, Jesus, to imitate the humility of Christ. Because there is a world out there that is watching. And God, I pray that they see you and not us. God, I pray that in this place, in this moment, the people are doing business with you right now. They're crying out to you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your holy name we do pray.